0: He has been gone this summer. We have been involved in a series uh, which we're calling One Thing. And uh, we've had numerous different speakers come and speak on various one things that are on their heart. And um, the interesting fact is is that I and a couple of other guys who are in our family here in the church are speaking twice. And so we have a chance to really give two things. Uh, So this is my second thing. You might or might not remember that my first one thing little uh, about a month and a half ago. and Roy, you can go ahead and put the one thing slide up there if you can find it. Um, uh, my one thing was on the Bible and Ezra 7.10 and the, the importance of the scriptures in our lives. Uh, as I was pondering and praying about what would be uh, a second one thing that would really be important from my heart to share with you all, as the thought came... Quickly to the idea of prayer, because the scriptures and prayer are two emphases that the Bible again and again talks about the level of importance, the critical importance in the context of our lives. Um, there's a problem, though, and the problem is is that if you are like me, and I am pretty confident that everyone in this room is like me in this regard, prayer, as Steve was saying earlier, is a mystery. And it's a challenge. It's a challenge for us. We, we, we want to pray. We desire to pray. You know, for, does anybody in the room feel like they have their prayer life together? Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, even if you did think you had your prayer life together, you probably wouldn't raise your hand. Um, no, Minton, I see you're putting your arm around your wife, not raising your hand. Okay. Um, we, 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 we don't know exactly how to pray and what to pray. We desire to pray. We pray But we struggle with this area. Numbers of years ago, I heard uh, a very important pastor in my life preach a sermon on prayer that impacted me significantly in this area. doesn't mean I have my act together, but it really has helped me get my head around prayer and how to pray uh, in a way which uh, connects with seeking to understand how God's will functions in the context of my life. And I'm going to be sharing a number of those thoughts as I've kind of rethought through them and and pondered them and worked them over in my life uh, this morning. But before I do that, I want to ask you to do something. And I'm totally serious with this. This isn't just kind of make work here for a minute. I'd like to ask you just to ponder for a moment what your deepest desires are. If we were over in Swift and Finch together and you trusted me enough, to talk with me. What would you say is one of your deepest, deepest desires? It may be something that you'd even be embarrassed to share with me. If you're married, you may not even feel comfortable sharing it with your spouse. It's so personal. I'm thinking of issues like family dynamics. What's going on with the, with the lives of some of your kids? Or what you wish your spouse would do or wouldn't do? Or maybe it's something you wish you had, you'd really like to have. Or maybe it's, it's a relationship that's been broken that you wish would be repaired. All of us, everyone in this room, as I look out, each one of us has desires that are are deep and personal and real. The anxiety of where to go to college if I'm if I'm in high school. Wh- what about my job? And 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 whether that's what I want to be doing or not. The desire to get married. Or the qu- I was talking to a person this week who separated and the struggle of considering whether to remain in a marriage. All these. Issues and desires are really there and deep down within us, aren't they? You're going to see how important that is in just a few moments. We want to look for a moment at a critical passage on prayer found in Luke chapter 11. And it's going to embed some of the same things that Steve read this morning in a little bit different form. But listen to the Lord as he teaches his disciples because you get the sense at the very beginning of this this chapter that the disciples were dealing with the same stuff we're dealing with. Seeing Jesus praying and saying, Lord, teach us to pray. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And so he, Jesus, said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. That's kind of the short form of the Lord's prayer. He goes on and says, said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, don't bother me. The door is now shut. My, my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence or his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Okay, what does that have to do with the Lord's prayer? We'll come back to it. He goes on, Jesus goes on and says, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And then he goes on and says another story. He says, what father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or what if he asks for an egg? Will he give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Father in heaven, we pray as we look at these passages now that you'd open our eyes to understand what Jesus is saying to us about prayer. And help us then, Lord, to pray even as the disciples asked Jesus, to help them pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we get into this passage, we're going to notice five things as we walk through the passage that Jesus teaches about prayer. Some of them go very quickly, but they're all very important. The first one is the concern of prayer. The concern of prayer. What should be the overall concern that anyone has when they're praying? And Jesus focuses on that in the Sermon on the Mount when he says that the concern of prayer is for God's kingdom, for God's kingdom to come, and then uh, it's added, as we saw in Matthew, uh, for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the concern, the primary concern of prayer that Jesus wants us to be focused on. The overarching concern is God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the concern of prayer. The next question, the second thing, I told you they can come fast, is the foundation for prayer. So Roy, you'll have to pull through the, that kingdom come the next one, the next slide, and then after that, the next slide, which is the foundation of prayer. The foundation of prayer, Jesus gets into by telling this story, this parable in verses 5 through 8. And we don't really understand uh, this parable like we ought to. So let me just try to explain it a little bit to you. You know the story. Jesus says, suppose that, that um, suppose that there's a person that is just at home and they discover a friend's coming to visit. Now for us, maybe that's a big deal for you, maybe it isn't. In Jesus' context, in the Eastern community, uh, in the Palestinian community, if someone was coming to visit you, You are socially obligated to take care of them, to provide for them a place to stay, and even more importantly, to provide for them a meal. Now imagine you hear that you have a friend coming who's visiting from out of town, and you have absolutely no food in the house whatsoever to take care of them. That's the situation that Jesus is bringing up here in the story. He's creating a significant problem, a social problem, and a personal problem for this individual. Okay? And as he tells the story, he goes on and says, he goes to his neighbor. And he talks to his neighbor and he says, listen, I have somebody coming to visit. Would you please lend me three loaves? Now, what's the situation his neighbor is in? The situation that many of you in this room have found yourself in night after night. You try to get your kids down to bed, okay? You finally, you finally get your kids down to bed. You take a deep breath. It's been a long day at work. And a long day of taking care of those kids. And you finally get them settled down from their sugar high after dessert or whatever it is what they're doing. You finally settle them down. You get them in bed. And you, you lean back and you say, finally now I can go to sleep and rest for a while. And in the midst of doing that, suddenly you hear a knock on the door. And it is the last thing in the world you want to hear. You just got the kids to bed. You're just going to bed yourself, and now someone's at the door. A doorbell rings. They're bugging you, and you can just sense it. The person sticks their head out the window and goes, what? I've got this person coming. Can you please lend me three loaves? Are you kidding? I just got my kids to bed. I'm going to bed. Forget it. But Jesus says the one who is desperate for the food keeps on persistently. He uses the word impudence. Knocking and bothering and bothering and bothering his neighbor until his neighbor finally says, I can't put up with this anymore. Not because he cares for his friends and his friend's needs, but because the person is bothering him so much, he finally gets up, goes and gets the bread, and gives it to the guy to get him off his back. And this is the foundation of prayer. And you say, what? The foundation of prayer? Are you telling me that the foundation of prayer is that God is like a reluctant giver that God doesn't really care about our needs and he's just going to be reluctant if we're busy. No, that's not what the the parable is teaching. The issue of the focus is not on the reluctance of God. The issue here is on persistence. What Jesus is saying is, listen, the foundation of prayer is persistence around a real need. And boy, I'll tell you, those people in the Middle East, they would understand that that man was in desperate condition to get that bread. It was a deep, profound need. He had to get that bread, and he would bother his neighbor, even wake his neighbor's kids up if necessary, to get that bread. Jesus is saying here that the foundation of prayer is persistence around a real and significant need or desire, so much so that you'll bother the Father in heaven with those needs. That's the foundation of prayer. So we've seen the concern of prayer is God's will. The foundation of prayer is persistence around a real need. And by the way, you put those two things together and you think the real need, the most significant need, is God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So any kind of prayer that's persistently praying, that a kind of a prayer that fits into desiring God's will to be done, There's something. There's there's significance about that prayer. What is the significance? That's the next point that Jesus wants to point out. Jesus gives us what's called the promise of prayer. The promise of prayer is found in verses nine through ten. He says, and you know, you all know this verse very well. He says, "Ask, okay, Roy, you can bring it up. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock." and it shall be open to you. Okay, get all three of them up there, Roy, okay? Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and and it shall be open to you. Now, what's the significance of that, and what does that have to do with persistent prayer around the will of God? Well, usually I don't like to get into the original languages of the Bible, okay? But here it's really important. The New Testament was written in Greek. Jesus spoke most likely in Hebrew or Aramaic, which are kind of kissing cousins, and the the Old Testament was written in in Hebrew, okay? Both the Hebrew and the Greek come to play in these verses. Ask, seek, and knock. The tense in the Greek is present continuous. What difference does that make? What Jesus is saying is this. Ask, and keep on asking, and keep on asking, and keep on asking. Sound familiar? The parable of that man knocking on his neighbor's door? Ask, Jesus says, and keep asking. Keep at it. Persistence. And you shall receive. Seek and keep on seeking. Keep seeking and you shall find. Knock and keep on knocking. The the verbal tense in the Greek underlines this idea of persistence. Regular persistence. And then the Hebrew comes into play. And this, this can kind of blow your mind as you stop and think about it for a minute. You shall receive, you shall find, it shall be opened." In the Hebrew t- language, in the Hebrew language, there is no um, what's the word for it? Uh, there's no punctuation. There's no periods, there's no semicolons. there's no exclamation points. But if you read the Hebrew, you'll find that there's ways that it's written which gives you the sense of punctuation. And in the Hebrew, if a a Hebrew person says the same word to you more than once, they're emphasizing it. If they say it three times to you, they're placing an exclamation point behind it. So what Jesus is saying is, you shall receive, you shall find, It shall be open to you. That's the Hebrew way of putting an exclamation point by this and making it an emphatic statement. This is going to happen. And not only is Jesus saying it's going to happen, remember who Jesus is. The Son of the living God, the creator of heavens and earth, the one who Paul said formed all things. And Jesus said, if you ask and keep asking, if you knock and keep knocking, if you... If you desire by, by, by seeking and keep seeking, it shall happen. That's the promise of prayer. Now that leads us to the fourth thing. So far we've seen the concern of prayer, the foundation, of, that's the Lord's will to be done. The foundation prayer, persistently praying according to God's will or, or, or according to needs. The promise of prayer, it shall happen. This is where it gets sticky. The problem of prayer. Stick with me here. Jesus said, if you ask, you shall receive. If you seek, you shall find. If you knock, it shall be open to you. You say to me, I have asked. I have sought. I have not, and God hasn't answered. Now, you know you feel that way at times. I've had singles come to me and say, I have prayed that God would let me be married, and God hasn't brought a person into my life. I've had mothers come to me and say, I prayed that I would have a baby, and I cannot have a." I've had parents come to me and say, I prayed that my child would come back to the Lord. And my child is still straying. What do you do when you ask? You seek and you knock. and Jesus himself says, it shall happen. And it doesn't happen. What do you do with that? What does that do to your prayer life? Well, let's remember for a moment the foundation of prayer. The foundation of prayer says persistent prayer focused on the desire for God's will will always be heard and always be answered. We have to begin by responding to this question, by by saying this. There's asking, and then there's asking. There's asking, and then there's asking. Sometimes we ask. But we really don't ask because we really don't believe it's something that God would do. Sometimes we think about asking God about something, but then we don't really ask because we think it's selfish. Why would God be concerned about that?
1: Sometimes we
0: ask, but it really isn't a deep desire because we forget about it or it isn't persistent. It doesn't persistently. We don't. We don't keep persistently asking and seeking and knocking. There's asking, and then there's asking. And the foundation of prayer is persistent prayer based upon a desire for God's will. So where do we go with that? Persistent asking. Catch this now. Persistent asking. Persistent asking reflects an indication of our real desires. And that's where prayer begins. That's why I've asked you at the beginning to identify a real desire in your life. Because that's the starting place for prayer to happen. Now what would happen If our deep desires, I can say, you say to me, Bob, you don't know what this desire is. I mean, you know, I I don't know if that's something God would ever want to respond to. I mean, my real desire in my heart, and I don't know your desires, but, but just think about this. What would happen if your deepest desires aligned with God's will? would happen if we persistently prayed for those desires and they aligned with God's will. The Bible says they will be answered. So we have to examine what I would then call the final step, and that's the process of prayer. And this is what's helped me so much in my own personal life, and well, I hope it will be helpful for you. Jesus says in verses 11 through 13, He says, think about it. If you have have an earthly father, and your earthly father has a child, and the child comes along and says, Dad, would you please uh, give me a fish? He said, would the father give the child a snake? Now, yes. Are there dysfunctional, abusive fathers out there? Yes, there are, who would do something like that. I had a friend one time whose father put him up on a put him up on a bureau and said jump into my arms and the boy jumped out to his father's arms and his father stepped back like that and let him land on the floor and he said I just want you to know that you can't trust people now friends that's sick that's distorted that's unhealthy Jesus is talking here not about evil people when he says even if your father's evil they'll they'll give things," he's not saying distorted, sick psychologically ill people like that he's talking about people who are sinners he said even sinners who are fathers are going to give their child a fish they're not going to give him a scorpion if they ask for an egg he's not going to give him a scorpion fathers give good gifts to their children and he said if if if, if sinners do that what about your father in heaven What's he going to do for you? We assume what Jesus is going to say there is, how much more, if, evil, if, 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 if sinning parents will do that for their children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to you what you ask for? But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, what Jesus is saying here is the ultimate answer to your prayer, even the prayers you don't think God is responding to, the ultimate answer to your prayers is Him giving you His Holy Spirit. But what difference does that make? And this is the process of prayer. This is the process of prayer. This is what happens. You begin with your deepest desires. And I don't know what that desire is. You know, maybe for Steve Briggs it's the... That, that, that every alumni would respond to the alumni giving campaign that they've been doing, okay, for Barry College. Or, um, you know, maybe your desire is that you would, I, I don't know, whatever your desire is. I, I was thinking about this the other day, um, and one of my desires that came out was that you would, I would be able to preach the sermon in a way which you could understand, okay? So so I pray that prayer, that's a desire. Steve prays a prayer about that desire, whatever your desire is, you begin with that desire, okay? And as, and as you begin bothering God about that, you begin asking and seeking and knocking. And you you plead with the Father about that desire. It doesn't matter if you feel like that desire is selfish, you use that as the framework around which you begin praying. And God sends his Holy Spirit in response to your prayers. And what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit begins to transform us as we pray for our desires. He begins to transform us in the very act of praying to begin to seek after God's will. The answer to your prayers is the Holy Spirit, and He begins to transform your asking to fit into God's will so that you would be praying God's will to be done. It begins by praying for that desire But the Holy Spirit coming to us transforms our desires to seek after his will. How does that work, Bob? Give me a story. Okay. This didn't happen to me, but this happened to a friend who was doing this, and it could happen to you as you pray about that very desire you identified this morning. I had a friend who was teaching a class on prayer. He was teaching through this passage, and he was describing how the Holy Spirit will come in and transform our wants. And so what he did in that class is exactly what I've asked you to do this morning. He said, I want you to identify a desire. And I want you to begin asking and seeking and knocking before God about that desire. Okay? Everybody took down the assignment. They wrote down their desire. They began praying. He left it alone for a couple of weeks as they were teaching on other things. A few weeks later, he came back and said, okay, everybody in this room agreed to pray a few weeks ago about their desire, how many of you are still asking and seeking and knocking about that desire that you identified in the class? A class of about 70 people, about six people raised their hands. Okay? So he said to those six people, okay, everybody else, you can't pray about that desire anymore. But you six people, you keep praying. And then he dropped it for a few more weeks. He came back about 3 weeks later and he said, "Okay, you six who were praying a few weeks ago about that desire, how many of you are still praying about that desire that was on your heart?" One person raised their hand. And he said, "Okay. I want you to keep praying about that desire. We'll come back to you." A couple weeks later, towards the end of the class, he asked that person, "Would you now would you share with us about what's been happening in your life as you've prayed for that desire? Tell us what the desire was." And would you tell us what's taking place in your life? And this is what he said. He said, I couldn't believe it when you gave me permission to pray for my deepest desire. I couldn't believe it. My deepest desire since I was a little kid was to be a millionaire. Really? I, I really want to be a millionaire. And he said, You gave me permission to pray to be a millionaire. So I began praying. And I prayed every day. Every morning I got up and I prayed, Lord, please make me a millionaire. I prayed it during the day. I prayed it in the evening. Lord, make me into a millionaire. He said, I couldn't believe what happened. He said, I prayed and I prayed. He said, the more I prayed and asked God to make me a millionaire, the less I wanted to be a millionaire. And the more I prayed about it, the more I thought about my wife and how important she was to me. And I began to think about my children. And even though when I came back to pray about being a millionaire, I'd think about my faith and my integrity as a person and how I was viewed at work and how I I functioned for God's kingdom at work as a person. He said, the more I prayed about being a millionaire, the less I wanted to be a millionaire, and the more important these things became to me to pray for my wife and my family and my representation of God in in my work. And he said, my asking has completely changed. You know, if God wants to make me a millionaire, that's his business. But I don't seek that anymore. That's no longer a desire for me. Now, do you see what was happening? Beginning with a real desire in his soul, he began asking and seeking and knocking. And as he asked and sought and knocked, God gave his Holy Spirit. And what did the Holy Spirit do? He turned his heart to desire God's will more than the money, more than the status, more than the position, more than anything, desiring God's will. And that's what this scripture is teaching us this morning. How do I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? How do I seek after and and pray the way the Lord would want to for his will to come and for his kingdom to come and his will to be done? Start with your desires. Just like that man needed to have that bread for his friend. Persistently. God says he will send his spirit. And His Spirit will examine your heart and help you understand if that desire is within God's will or not. And He'll give you a broader and a deeper understanding of God's will and His purpose. And He'll change your heart through His Spirit as you pray persistently for those desires. So begin asking God for something. See how He responds. Because Jesus said, Everyone who keeps on asking will receive. If you keep on seeking, you will find. If you keep on knocking, the door shall be open to you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, teach us to pray. For Christ's sake, teach us to pray. I can't help, Lord, thinking of all those people in that class who failed to pray and never got a chance for God to deal with them, never got a chance for God to transform their heart and their asking. Lord, teach us to pray. In Christ's name. We pray and seek his face. God knows that we are human beings. He knows that we're flesh and blood. He recognizes that along with prayer and Bible study, he gives us what we call the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. Why would the Lord give us bread and wine or juice? Because he knows that we need a to touch and to taste and to remember who He is and what He has done for us. And so on the night in which our Lord was betrayed, He took bread and having given thanks, He broke it. And He said to His disciples, even as I say to you this morning, He said to His disciples, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. After the, the meal, Jesus took the cup. They didn't understand what he was saying at that moment. But he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Not only did they not understand, they were fearful. They did not want him to die. But he knew that he would be pouring out his blood for them. And he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And then he said to them, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, You remember, Paul said, you remember the Lord's death until he comes. Now, Jesus gave us a promise this morning. Ask, seek, and knock. He also has given us these elements to remember his love for us and to use them to minister his grace to us through his Holy Spirit. As you're asking, as you're seeking, as you're knocking, he said, remember me. Remember what I've done for you in my body. Remember what I've done for you through my blood. A father doesn't respond to the love, the cries of his child and give him something that's hurtful. Even so, the Holy Spirit wants to give you his, the, the Father wants to give you his Holy Spirit through these elements and through prayer. Let's set these elements aside now and ask the Father to use them to minister to our souls and to confirm to us his love for us. And then I'll give you directions on how to take the words to Father in heaven, thank you that Jesus understood that we are human beings, flesh and blood, and that we desperately need reminders and that we need elements like this for you to use to confirm in our souls your love for us. Thank you that you don't give a scorpion or a snake. Thank you that you give your Holy Spirit. Give us your Holy Spirit now, Lord, we pray, even as we take these elements. In Jesus' name, Amen. Two things. First is, we have four different locations for you to be able to take the Lord's table. Uh, on this side, we have wine. On this side we have grape juice. There's gluten-free over on this side under the exit. So go to one of those tables if you would to receive it. Second thing is this. If you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if He is one you're looking at and exploring but you don't know Him, please don't take the table. This is for the family of God. Feel free to come forward. You can look at the elements if you want to as people come forward. You can smell them. But but please don't take the elements unless you've come to Jesus. But if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've given your life to Him, if the Holy Spirit lives inside you as his resident within you, then Jesus says, take, eat. This is my body for you. This is my blood. As the music plays, you come as you can, as you as you desire, as the Lord leads you to come to the table. You come forward to the table and receive the Lord's blessing.